I have loved this series, uh, the, and I want to just remind you again, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the announcement that God came to earth, lived a sinless life, died for our sins, rose from the grave, and offers us the free gift of salvation. Our response to that, and by the way, I really hammered that the first two weeks, so you can get all those sermons on YouTube and all your podcast channels, whatever you want. Our response to the gospel is believing that what Jesus did for us is enough, trusting him to save us from our sins and joyfully giving Jesus our lives in surrender to his lordship. So we looked at chapters 1 and 2. Those are all full of um, who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and what Jesus has done for us. And now chapters 3 and 4 are our response to what Jesus has done. But um, as I was studying this week and really looking at chapter 4, really... Chapter 4 is some final greetings. Uh, Paul's really just mentioning some different things. And I, I didn't want to get too bogged down in chapter 4. So I'm going to stay in chapter 3 one more time. And, uh, you know, the way, the way that I am, I'm a preacher. i got to feel it. i got to have a burden. And I can't just, uh, I can't just teach anything because it's like on the calendar. i got to preach what's in my heart. Is that all right? And so I, I, I had families on my heart today. I was praying for families last Saturday at, um, at our serve team conference, and uh, just, man, it was all over me. And then I was reading Colossians chapter 3, and uh, look what Colossians chapter 3 verse 18 says. Here we go. Wives, hello, good morning. <sighs> You're like, take that break right now, pastor. Just go, go rest. Go rest. I'm done for today. Omar, come on up. Bring a word. Bring something different. <laughs> Submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Now, I just want to say this right up the top. That was even radically different than first century culture. Because in first century culture, a woman had to submit to any man. And, and Paul is actually elevating women in the new covenant and he's saying hey you don't got to listen to everybody not every man is your boss not every you don't have to submit to any man just because he's talking he, he is he's actually freeing them in the covenant relationship and and husbands husbands hey husbands love your wives and never treat them harshly children always obey your parents for this pleases the lord every parent said amen Fathers, do not aggravate your children. Do not stir up anger in your children or they will become discouraged. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 14. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families. Fight for your families. For your sons and daughters, your wives and your homes. Let me, let me talk from the subject worth the fight. Amen. Worth the fight. Worth the fight. Worth the fight. Everybody say, my family, my family. Is, worth is worth the fight. Now look at a neighbor real quick. Say, your family, your family. is worth the fight. Worth the Find one more person. Tell them, your family, your family. is worth the fight. <laughs> Come on, do we believe it? Yeah. Amen. 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 So the Apostle Paul is giving some kind of final instructions to the church. He's been, he's been talking to us about Jesus. He's been talking to us about who Jesus is. He's been talking to us 
about what Jesus has done. But now chapter 3 is just power packed with, with our response and how we should live and what we should do and how we should speak. And, and now he really hones in on the family at the very end of his letter. Why, why does Paul do this? I believe he does this led by the Holy Spirit because before God created a nation, before God created a people group, before God even created the church, God created the family. God created the family first. This is, this is a first priority to God. I was recently watching an interview with a, a, a brilliant Jewish man that I love. His name is Dennis Prager. He's not a Christian, uh, but he was debating with an atheist, and uh, this young atheist uh, was arguing with Prager about the importance of the family and the collapse of the family in the West and the collapse of the family in America. And um, this, this young man said, I don't know why you care so much and why you're harping so much on the family. And then he says this, the family unit is not important and is a relatively new idea. This is what he said. Well, Prager is, is a Jewish man who, who follows the Torah. And I love what he said. He, he responded with, well, over the past 6,000 years, God's idea and God's definition of family has been the most important idea to any society. So marriage isn't new. Like, this isn't new. Family isn't new. This isn't an invention of the West in the 50s. This, is, this has been God's idea since day one. Where the family unit is strong, there is stability. There is security. There is opportunity. And eventually there is prosperity. And maybe you're sitting here going, but I'm part of a broken family or, or my marriage is on the rocks or my marriage just ended. Listen, don't, don't let the enemy heap condemnation on you for anything you've been through. Allow the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me just remind you of this. The devil only talks to you about your past. The Holy Spirit only talks to you about your future. So let's believe for a better future. Say amen. Okay. One in four children in America... We'll grow up without a father in the home. That's over 19 million children. And we see the effects of that everywhere. Everywhere. Listen to me. A strong nation is built on strong families. The number one thing you can do for your country is build your family. Should I vote? Yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. Should I know what I'm doing? Yes. Should I know what I believe? Absolutely. Should I have stamp? Yes. Should I? One hundred. Uh, but the number one thing you can do, because a broken nation is filled with broken families, but a strong nation will be filled with strong families. So Nehemiah says, "Fight for your families. Fight for your families, because that that means there is an enemy who wants your family." That's, that's why we sing this, this song and we say, I speak Jesus for my family. Because God cares about family and, and the devil cares about 
family and God's trying to bring your family together and the devil's trying to separate your family. So you got to fight for it. You got to fight for it because everything that is good requires effort. And everything that is good will have its struggles. <laughs> Isn't it funny how we, we, we say things on our, on our wedding day that we didn't at all believe? For better or for worse. Like, we're not going to have that, but like, that's what the preacher told me to say. But we're only going to be better to better, glory to glory. Like, <laughs> sickness and an elf, we ain't ever getting sick, girl. We just gone. We don't believe what we say. You know, the number one reason for divorce in America is irreconcilable differences. You different. <laughs> not adultery. Not domestic disputes. Not violence. Just, I didn't know you were going to be so different than me. I didn't know this was going to require so much work. Because when I watch the movies, it don't act like that. It ain't like that. In the movies, it's, it's so easy. Uh, re remember this. Marriage is a covenant. You don't make a covenant. You cut a covenant. When God gave Adam Eve, he cut her out of him. Because you cannot have a real marriage without a cutting. Marriage requires sacrificial love, not convenient love. Huh. It's not all romance all the time. Sometimes you've got to decide. So, some, sometimes your pride gets cut. Sometimes your ego gets cut. Sometimes, but I'm, but I'm in a covenant. We've cut covenant. Am I saying you should be in something that is unhealthy and abusive? Of course not. But I am saying that, that real love is not always convenient. Real love is usually sacrificial. Okay. And you got to fight for it. A great marriage won't just happen. A great family won't just happen. A great life won't just happen. You got to fight for it. Every, everything that is good requires effort. Everything that is good will have its struggles. Everything that is good will have an enemy of what is good. So, so when I say fight for your marriage, I'm not just saying like, yeah, you and your spouse are always going to be fighting. I'm saying there's a devil after your marriage. There's, there's, a, there's a devil after your children. There's, there's an enemy after your future. So you're going to have to fight for it. And it's worth the fight. I said it's worth the fight. So first there's a call to wives. Paul says, wives, Submit. Sub means below. Mit is from where we get mission. So he says, come below in support of the mission of the marriage. Submission is not being a doormat. 
Submission is not accepting verbal abuse, emotional abuse, or physical abuse, or sexual abuse. Submission is getting behind and under and supporting the mission of what God has called you to do together. It is lovingly supporting your husband, understanding your unique gift and role in the marriage. So now let me say this too. Men, you got to have a mission for her to sub to. You got to create vision, future, plans, and ideas that your wife can support. You got to create something that she can, because there's actually something in a woman that actually wants to follow. There really is. Pick where you're going to go on the date night, dude. Just pick it. Just pick. We are going. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. Women don't want to decide. Every, they're deciding too many things throughout the day. And when it comes to that, they don't want to have to pick another. So I don't really want Italian. Well, that's what we're eating because I'm in the mood for pasta. And you're going to like it. Okay, yeah, I, hear my heart. You heard my heart in that. I hope you heard my heart. You got you to gotta create mission and vision for your wife. Okay, now, ladies, the man's mega need, a man's mega need, notice that it's not sex. A man's mega need is not sex. <laughs> You're like, I don't know who they're married to, but... It really isn't. It's honor. A man wants honor. A man needs, needs honor. Does he need sex? Yeah, he does. But it's actually secondary. Because sex is a result. Never forget this. Sex is a result of intimacy. So, so when the husband is complaining we're not having sex, I guarantee there's a breakdown of intimacy somewhere in the marriage. Now, there could be some physical things happening, some hormonal things happening, some emotional things. Of course, of course. But I'm just saying, like, in general. I'm speaking in generalities because I have to because I only have 30 minutes. But in general... The, the lack of sexual connection is usually a lack of intimacy 10 steps behind. Um, this is not fair to you ladies. This is not fair, but please hear me. Most men have a father wound. That's not fair. It's just true. So... We didn't hear, I'm proud of you. We didn't hear, I love you. We didn't hear, I got you. We didn't hear that. Most men. Some of you guys had great dads. I love it. Awesome. Some of you didn't. Some of you don't even know your dad. Some of you have a dad that you've never talked to. Some of you, I, we, have a, we have a father wound which desperately needs encouragement. 
so we marry a woman. And what we're craving from her is affirmation. You go, that's not fair. I didn't sign up for that. Well, I'm just, I'm just helping you because a lot of men don't even know that about themselves. So I'm just helping you understand that. A woman cannot heal a man, but a woman can hurt a man. Like, Shannon is not responsible for my soul health. She's not God. But she can cut me. She can hurt me. She can wound me. And what you can do for your husband above anything else is create an atmosphere of honor for him. Now, can that be abused? Of course. Of course it can. Be because every, everything good can be abused, right? Right? So I'm, I'm going to talk about a woman's mega need in a second as well. It, that's your need, and it must be expressed in a healthy way, but of course it can be abused. So that's not what I'm, that's, again, that's not what I'm talking about. But what I am saying is that, ladies, what you can do for your man is you can create an atmosphere where he feels honored. Because there's, there's, a, there's a king in there. And, he, and, he, and, and that has to be spoken to by somebody. Because he'll go, he'll, he, he's, he's searching for that voice. So here, here's words that we love. Thank you. We love that. No, we love that. Well, you should help around the house. I know, but, but I vacuumed. Well, you should take out the trash. I know, but I, but I did, so. <laughs> Men need to hear thank you. Men need to hear words like, you can do this. You got this. We got this. Let's go. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. You could do this. You have what it takes. You, you got to understand that, that that big, buff, manly man with that beard, he's got a little eight-year-old boy in here somewhere going, I got it. Your husband has it. Every man in here has it. Every man in here is, right, is like this right now. <laughs> but we all got it. We, we need the proverbial pat on the butt. And a, and a real one would be good, too, every once in a while. Just a good, hey, hey. That's why, men, we pat your butts because we want our butts patted. We, <laughs> but we don't know how to communicate that, so. Like, don't you like that when I pat your butt? I'm telling you, good job, babe. No, that's what we need. Your man needs the things you would say to him before you really knew him. You remember how you used to talk to him? Before you knew he was a mess? He needs that still. Men need honor. Men need honor. Okay, now listen, ladies, I'm all about girl power. I know that women are awesome and women are strong. Women are brilliant. I get it. I get it. I get it. But let me just say a few things. 
There is, there is real feminism and there's 2023 Western feminism. There is. All right. I need, I feel like I need a, like I need to say this behind a wall or something. Um, real feminism is we're equal. You're a human. You're made in the image of God. That's real. Fem- like we're equal. 2023 Western feminism is I don't need a man. And, and if you take on that energy, if you take on that I don't need a man energy of today's culture, you will repel men and you will repel your husband. It's getting quiet. I know. I know it's getting quiet. I thought I should leave on a bang. And, and you can pick that up because you start, I can buy myself flowers. I'll write my own name in the sand. Okay. I don't know if Miley should be your example. Men need honor. Men need to be, men need to be rewarded. They have to be rewarded. They, they have to, it has to be acknowledged. Whatever they do has to be acknowledged. And you go, again, that's not fair. I, I'm not saying it is. I'm saying if, if you're going to fight for your family, ladies, there's going to have to be a tone of honor in your voice. All right. I know that was painful. Let's go to, let's beat up on the men real quick. Uh, let's, let's talk about a call to husbands. Come, Paul, uh, excuse me, Paul commands us to love our wives and to not be harsh with our wives. Here's what this means, men. Look at me, look at me. This means you have to be ruthless about anger and lust. Well, the ladies were more supportive of, of that than the men are of, of this. Men, you have, to, you have to be ruthless about lust and anger because you must love her and you must not be harsh with her. Lust and anger are marriage killers. To love her and to not be harsh with her means that I am pushing lust and I'm pushing anger out of my life. Period. And yes, there is an expectation of sexual expression in a marriage, of course, but listen to me, she's not responsible for your purity. And she's not responsible for your response to frustration. So if, if there's lust in your heart and there's anger in your heart, you'll, you'll, you'll sabotage your own marriage. So I have to work on purity and I've got to work on gentleness. I've got to work on kindness. I've got to get anger out of me if I ever want there to be a connection with my wife. So here's a woman's mega need. A woman's mega need is security. Not romance, security. Y'all hear me? So a man's is not sex and a woman's is not romance. Though a man does need sex and a woman does need romance. But a woman's mega need is security. 
am I safe? Let me tell you what will destroy her security if you have lust and anger. If she's afraid of you and if she feels like she cannot compete with other women, your marriage is done. So I have to make sure with my wife, I am married for 17 years. I have to make sure that, number one, Shannon is not afraid of me, and she isn't. (laughs) She is not. That's funny. Two, that she is not in competition with pornography, with Instagram models, with with women, with, with whatever. She's not in competition. When, when she feels secure, there will be intimacy, there will be connection, there, there will be trust. Her mega need is security. Words like this, man, hear me, hear me. You got to figure out how to express this to her, but words like, it's only you. It's only you. You can trust me. I am responsible. There are no secrets. You've got to make her feel that. Walking in the casino, going to a date night, and some beautiful woman walks by, and Shan goes, whoa, do you see that dress? No, babe, I didn't see nothing. I was just, (laughs) I was looking at you the whole time. Well, she knows I saw her, but she knows I wasn't looking at her. You, you, you can never help what you see, but you can help what you look at. So Shannon isn't, I'm not holding Shannon's hand going. Let's go eat. Yeah, that's a bad dinner. It's only you. You can trust me. I'm responsible. No secrets. I'm gonna give, let, me, let me give you three, three words really quick, man. Three words. Number one, Pursuit. See, men are hunters, we're gatherers, which means that when we get married, we got our catch. So we got our girl, boom, <laughs> dunked her on the top of the head, threw her over our shoulder, uh, uh. and you think you're done. You ain't done. Just because you put a ring on doesn't mean you're done. Now the pursuit begins. We, men stop pursuing. You stop trying. Fellas, you can't stop trying. You got to keep the romance. You got to keep the pursuit. You got to keep the, you got to do all those things that you did for her before you really knew her. When you thought she was perfect. When her breath is always good, when... Before you ever heard her snore, before, yeah, you, you, you got to keep the pursuit. Se- 70% of marriages now in America are, are being initiated by women, 70%. And every woman's like, yeah, and I know why. No. Because men stop pursuing. Men, you have to pursue. You've got to keep, 
you got to make the date night. You got to make you you you've got to keep the pursuit going. Um, Jesus said in, in the book of Revelation, he was talking to the church and he said, "You've lost your love for me." He said, "You've lost your first love." And you know what his commandment is? Go back to your first works. Everybody say first works. Okay. Um, go, go, go back to how you used to treat her. Pursuit. Number two, your, your wife needs protection. Do you make your family feel safe? Ephesians 4.29, watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word a gift. Every great family has a positive tone. And the tone is set by the man. What's the tone of your family? Is it cold? Is it quiet? Is it sarcastic? Is it doubtful? Is it mean? Is it teasing? Is it silent? Men, you set the tone for your home. Men, you set the tone for your home. So communicating to your spouse in a way that makes them feel protected, important, and heard. Number three, provision. A man must provide. I'm talking about work. I'm talking about act. I'm talking about work. We have been married for 17 years. The entirety of our marriage, I've had two jobs. The entirety. Sometimes more. I've always had two streams of income. To communicate provision to her and to communicate, to communicate. And sometimes she was the breadwinner. Shannon has been the breadwinner at certain times in our marriage. It was very early on, but, sh- but to her it was yesterday. Amen. She still reminds me. <laughs> She still reminds me that she had a time when she was, I was making more than, I was like, girl, that was 16 years ago, but whatever. I'll let you, I'll let you have the win. I want you to feel protected, amen, and pursuit. I've always, I got it, let me wrap it up. I've always had multiple streams of income to, to communicate provision. Before God gave Adam a wife, he gave him a job. And Adam was working so hard. Think about this in the book of Genesis. Adam was working so hard, God one day showed up to him. He's like, you need help. You out here hustling. The lions can't help you, and the elephants can't help you, and the rhinos can't help you, and the monkeys can't help you, and the fish can't You need help. I got to make you a helpmate. You working so hard, bro. I got to bring someone who can run with you. Now, I I never put money before my family. I never put work before my family. I never put a promotion before my family. But I've I've always worked hard. And what what you do, sir, when you you provide provision for you. I'm not saying your wife can't work. And if your wife's the breadwinner, I'm not, I'm not here to argue that. What I am saying, though, 
is that there does need to be the communication of provision and work ethic that your wife must see in you. She has to. She has to see it. Just letting you know. For her to feel secure, she has to feel provided for. Jesus, are we all right so far? All right, all right, all right, all right. I've only got five minutes, so relax. So, so lastly, there's a, there's a call to parents. Now, there is a call to children too, but we, we, we just don't have time. A call to parents. Fathers, do not aggravate your child. Do not stir up anger in your child. Man, the keys come up. You got you to gotta play me out of here. I'm going to go all day. Do not aggravate your children, for they will become discouraged. Let me just say something, parents, really quick. God has trusted you with that child. Not the child's grandparents. Not the government. Not a teacher. You. And what you must do, the number one thing you can do for your child, according to the Apostle Paul, is don't let them get discouraged. Because discouragement is a doorway to oppression. So I've got to keep my child's head lifted. Does that mean I'm a cheerleader who never corrects them? Of course not. Does that mean I don't bring structure and stability? Of course not. It, it means that no matter what season I'm in, whether I've got a three-year-old, a two-year-old, or a 14-year-old, or an eight, I'm, I'm keeping their head up. Because discouragement's gonna open the door to all kinds of enemies. So how do I do that? How do I do that? Number one, you gotta speak life over your kids. They must know you believe in them. Not their friends, not their teachers, not their boyfriend, not their girlfriend, not their grandparent. They got to know you believe in them. They got to hear that from you. Not from auntie, not from uncle, from you. Joseph is blessing his 12 sons in the book of Genesis, chapter 49, verse 28. And he says, all these 12 tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said to them. Watch this, when he blessed them. So he said to them and he blessed them giving each the blessing appropriate to him. Uh, who has more than one child? How many know they're all different? Do you ever look at your kids and go, who, who are you? Like, how did you, how'd you come from the same? Because each child needs an appropriate blessing for them. I love all you guys. No, that doesn't work. You got each appropriate to them. And, and how do you bless? With words. He said to them and blessed them. Which means you, you have to somehow outword every other speaking voice in their life. And you go, how the heck do I do that? They're at school for eight hours a day hearing words, 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 words. Well, your words actually carry more authority. They carry spiritual authority. They carry prophetic authority. They... 
carry the authority of the name of Jesus. But here's what that means. It doesn't mean they get to come home from school and go, and then back to Sports Center. They're, they're going to have to get hundreds and hundreds every day of words. Well, this is hard. You're going to have to fight for your family. Number two, you've got to lead well. Every parent in here who, who uh, you're both working, you're both working, the husband and the wife are working. Or maybe you're a single mom and you're working. And Never believe the lie that you're going to have to spoil them when you're with them because of how much time you're away from them. Well, I worked all day and I only got a couple hours with them before we got to go to bed. So, yeah, 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 here's all the... No, that, that's not, they, they need leadership. Now, you may feel guilty, but don't translate that guilt into how you treat your child. I wish I had more time with my kids. I understand. But when, when you are with them, don't, don't let the enemy lie to you. Number three, pay attention. A child spells love, T-I-M-E. That's, that's quality over quantity, by the way. I usually get here first thing in the morning, but uh, I'm, I'm uh, leaving today. I'm, tonight I'll fly to New Zealand and I'll speak uh, in New Zealand this week. And so I just gave Goldie a little more time this morning. Just a little more time. And I'm really distracted as I'm thinking about the sermon. But she wanted to show me her Legos. So I did. Ah. Just, yeah, that's great, honey. This is great. I'm so interested. Be but it's because it's quality, not quantity. And then we pull up on the map. Here's where I'm flying. And then we're going to talk every day on FaceTime. But my, my point is it's just... I don't always have quantity with her because of who I because of what God's called me to do. I don't always have quality, but I, I mean quantity, but I always have quality. Fight for your families. I want you to stand on your feet. It's worth the fight. I said it's worth the fight. Say amen to that. It's worth the fight. It's worth the fight. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Your family is worth fighting for. Let me pray for you. Would you lift your hands, Father, in Jesus' name? I pray for my friends. I pray. I pray over every discouraged parent in the room who's just feeling so overwhelmed. I pray for your strength, your breath, your life to infuse their soul. I pray for every married couple that is doing all they can. I pray today for strategy. I pray today for breakthrough. I pray today for ideas. I pray today for repentance and humility. I pray for new beginnings. Yes. 
to begin. I pray that we would always be diligent in our marriages. I pray we would always be diligent in our parenting. I pray. I pray that even from this sermon that could honestly just kind of unearth more frustrations, I pray from this you would give God strategies to every person in the room. Parents and those who are not parents yet, those who are married, those who are not married yet, I pray for, I pray for ideas. I pray. I pray for encouragement. I pray for your voice to speak. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Just bow your head, close your eyes for one moment. You're here today. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never surrendered your life to the Lord. If that's you, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. His love is sacrificial. His love is a covenant love. His love is a real love. His love is an amazing love. Jesus hung on the cross, was stretched wide and said, I love you this much. Jabin, I need Jesus. I need forgiveness of sin. Pray with me. Everybody pray together. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. Forgive me of my sins. And change my life. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Amen. Amen.